WENJ, WENJ HD Millville Atlantic City 73 ESPN. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. I sure can feel it. It is a happy hour Friday. Yes, indeed. Here we go. Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. You know, I looked at the clock. We're just kind of sitting here BSing, and I'm like, you know, it's 2 o'clock. It feels like it should be noon. What I think is we should just have microphones on all the time. We just have great sports talk on air, off air, nonstop. Well, you know, we used to do a thing called uh, During the Breaks. Huh. So we would have, like, back when people were allowed in the building and stuff, we had the interns would film us, and they would, you know, like if we walked around to go get coffee or if I went to my office, not, you know, and they would just... We showed the listeners what was going on during the breaks. So we could bring that back. Absolutely. I've been on the air with you for six months now, and this is the first time I'm here. We had a YouTube show called During the Breaks, and we would do it. It was my old partner, Todd. And during the breaks, because there was many times we'd be going back and forth on the air, and then, boom, we'd still be going off the air, fired up and ready to go. And we'd be, you know, the intern had the iPad, and he would, like, uh, basically zoom in on us and just get it. Now, sometimes we were having fun. Or, hey, I'm going to get coffee. You want to come with me? Or I'm going to talk to one of the salespeople. And we kind of just uh, filmed all the different stuff that happens during the breaks. Well, we are absolutely bringing that back. So we're we... just going to focus on the execution part. How are we going to do it? We'll set it up over the weekend. Boom, it's coming back. Oh, whatever. I'm down. Yeah, we just the interns. That was one of their jobs. They filmed us. And they wouldn't tell us. So some breaks, they wouldn't film us. But they would have the iPad up acting like they were. So we didn't know when they actually were filming us. Huh. Any F-bombs being thrown around? Um, I mean, maybe. Okay. I mean, we're not on the air, so sometimes you let the expletives fly. Right. But, yeah, we did that for, uh, actually, it's funny, because we did it for like a season. And then we took a break, and then we brought back season two. Oh, wow. Yeah. If you go to our web, uh, our YouTube channel, I think if you go to our YouTube channel, and if you search for During the Breaks, you might find old episodes of During the Breaks. And they were like, you know, two minutes or however long the break is. It might not even be the whole break. It might have been like two and a half minutes or 30 seconds. But they actually did very well. I don't know. Like, we just, you know, the interns weren't here. Like, that's what ends up happening. You do the season because you have the fall interns. And then they go away. And then you do season two when the summer interns came in. All right, well, I got some ideas going through my head so we can execute this in a, in a good way. I want to see if, uh, if you go to the 97.3 ESPN YouTube channel and if you put in during the breaks. I wonder how many people out there remember when we used to do the show during the breaks. There it is. Yep. Uh, wait. I put in during the break. There it is. Uh, season 2, Episode 1. Oh, yep. There it is. During the breaks. The first one is... Uh, us during the break, and we used to have Jen Scordo did the live Sports Center updates. So you got to uh, watch her do the update there. I but love there's it. a whole bunch of them in there. I love it. Yeah, we might bring it back. We could try- bring it back. We'll have to just figure out how we want to execute it. Right. So what's the word on a Friday? What is right now? Okay, it's Eagles Cowboys week. There's nothing else going on. There's no baseball. There is some interesting basketball news. Shouldn't this game be at the forefront of everything? And today, Doug Peterson spoke, and I got to tell you. Look, they talk, they say this. He got he gave nothing today. Zero. 
You think zero. What you, did you get out of that? Well, I think he definitely discussed this Maialata JP thing a little bit more. You think? Yeah. He didn't say anything. Well, I think you know that Jason Peters is going to be your left tackle and Maialata is going to be coming off the bench. Right, he, but he gave you the weirdest answer ever with that. Like, he mentioned, you know, the question was asked. One topic of conversation has been about Jordan Maialata and moving him off left tackle and then putting a 38-year-old who's not going to be with your team long-term. Where do you come down on that? He says, well, I mean, I wish I had Andre Dillard and Brandon Brooks and Isaac Sayamalu. Well, what kind of answer is that? Well, that's no answer. But when he started bringing up Nelson Aguilar and how he came off the bench yeah. back in 2016, that's telling me, without actually saying it, no. That Maialata is coming off the bench for now, and Jason Whoa. Peters is your left what tackle. What it's telling me is he doesn't think Maialata's ready. That's exactly what it's telling me. Or is it that Howie Roseman, because we have learned that he has say on who plays and 53-man and who's going to dress, that they are trying to justify paying Jason Peters all that if money. If that is the case, that is bad. Of course it's That's bad. That's bad, because at this point, you're paying him whether he's playing tackle, guard, no matter what. You made the decision to cave into him. Now... You're paying that check whether it's the right guard or the left tackle. At this point, though, like the what I read into it, there was another comment he made that essentially said, you know, hey, look, Jordan's playing great. I, you know, like, but he kind of stopped short, and then he went to like, well, um, he says, I'll say this. I love where Jordan's at. I love where his growth is, but at the same time, sometimes if Jason Peters starts at left tackle, it allows Jordan to see big picture. He's been standing on the sideline for three years watching Jason Peters. How much time more does he need to stand there and watch Jason Peters play? And I guess that maybe opens the door that Lane Johnson's going to play this week because he's saying it'll be helpful for him to watch Jason Peters play. Well, that's what I'm getting at. I feel that is essentially just telling you this is how it's going to be because if Lane Johnson wasn't available, Maialata wouldn't be sitting on the sidelines. I think that's just a cover-up. He's trying to kind of milk his way around the question without actually saying what's going down. Sitting on the sideline does nothing. You need to experience getting beat. You need to experience some of these defensive ends. That's how you get better as a football player. So it's just an organizational move, I feel, from the top three guys, the three stooges, as I like to call them, in Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman, and Laurie saying, we got to play Jason Peters at left tackle. Whether Maialata was good enough for them or not, which he clearly was good enough for them, they are saying, we got to keep this guy at left tackle because we paid him to do it. I don't like that answer at all then because that is a faulty way to go about it, that, hey, we have to play you there because that's what we paid you to do. That's a bad decision by them. Now, the way he said it to me makes it sound like Lane Johnson's going to play. So if that's the case, now he did kind of give this wonky, well, you know, he opened up the whole press conference with, you know, the way the process works is we come out of the previous game with a medical report, and then we have to decide early in the week how we're going to construct the roster for the upcoming opponent. Timeout. If Lane Johnson can't practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and on Thursday or Friday he says, you know what, I think I'm starting to feel a little better, you reconstruct your construction of the roster for the upcoming opponent. Don't fire that BS at me. Now he says that starts Monday, Tuesday, and then by Wednesday we have a little bit of a feel for who's going to practice, who's going to be in, who's going to be out, who's going to take a rest day, who we think can play, but it may take a couple of days to heal up. So all that's kind of the process is what he says. You're telling me if Lane Johnson says on Sunday in, during the warm-ups, hey, I'm ready to play, that you're not putting him out there? Of course you are. So 
all of this stuff goes basically on how the player and what level. This goes back to what level of player. You put certain trust in a certain player. You trust Lane Johnson more than you trust Jordan Maialata. So if Jordan Maialata, or if Lane Johnson, Jason Peters has more trust. So if Jason Peters says, I'm ready to play, and he didn't practice all week, you better be damn sure Jason Peters is going to get get to play because they trust him more. Is there a way that Jason Peters is saying, I'm not playing guard? Like, is there a way that Jason Peters is the one that's going up to Howie, going up to Doug? Like, I'm playing left tackle. And they're going, oh, okay. I mean, I don't you know. know. This seemed, on that it, it because sounds, this is too weird. Didn't it seem like Jason Peters was happy about the possibility of playing guard. It was almost like, hey, this could allow help, me... Help the career. Right, allow me another year or two to play guard as opposed to tackle. You know, tackle, you got to be a little quicker. You got, you know, faster defensive ends. And maybe he thought, hey, I've lost a step. If I slide inside, this will extend my career a little bit. It seemed like he was excited about playing the guard spot. And then this whole thing, well, Dillard gets hurt. Well, he wants more money to go play left tackle. Was that kind of a way for him to say, I'll play left tackle, but I was really looking forward to playing guard. So if you want me to move, you're going to have – it's like somebody who gets a job. I like where I live. If you want me to move to this spot, you're going to have to pay me a lot more money to get me to move from where I like living. Is that what Jason Peters has done here? Like – I really wanted to play right guard, but if you really want me to move, you're going to have to pay me more money. Otherwise, I'm happy with where I'm at. I don't know if it's to that degree. Maybe he just saw an opportunity, though, to make more money, so he was like, hell, why not? Why not try and force them to pay me more money because they need me? I know they're desperate. I know they need a left tackle, and I have an advantage here, so why not take advantage of it from that spot? But this whole situation, it's just so crazy. I'm trying to think, you know, if Andre Dillard was playing just like Maialata was and he was getting the job done at left tackle, although Maialata against the Giants struggled a bit, didn't help that Opeta was playing left guard next to him, you, you wouldn't move Dillard. Like, you wouldn't move Dillard if Dillard was playing the same way Maialata was. So why now are you making this decision? Something's not adding up, and I feel Jason Peters could be one of the reasons why. Him specifically could be saying, I'm playing left tackle. I'm not playing right guard. I mean, there's no other way that this makes any sort of sense, right? I mean, how would this make sense? Jason Peters has zero, zero playing time at right guard in a real game. Maybe he feels uncomfortable. I don't know. It goes back to the trust thing. Right. Like, he's Jason Peters. And you trust him. You trust that if I put him out there, he's not going to embarrass himself. Well, he did. He did at left tackle in the beginning of the year. For no, a I'm saying bit. if right guard. Oh, at right guard. Okay. Right. If you moved him to right guard with no experience, you do it not because he's proven. You do it because you trust him. Because he's Jason Peters, he's built up a level of trust that you say, you know what? I've never seen you play right tackle, uh, right guard, but we really like the Maialata kid. And. We feel like it's going to strengthen the entire line because then we can move Herbig back to left guard, and he's an upgrade over Suopeta. And overall, all five of our guys are now stronger. At left tackle, if we play you there, then we're using Opeta at this spot, and he's the weakest. You know, you're only as strong as your weakest link, like Jamon Brown. Everybody else played well except for him, and the line looked like crap. Well, Opeta struggled last week. If I can get him off the field, I'll take that opportunity. And, of course, the Eagles are suggesting that, no, well, we're going to go the other way. 
I'm not saying that the kid Opeta is going to be a dumpster fire. It was his first time he ever played in a game. Apparently, the guy was a defensive tackle at Weber State. So you're putting him in at left guard in an NFL game for the first time. I anticipate he was going to struggle a little bit, but I don't understand. I'm, I'm going through that. Uh, I listened to the press conference today, and I'm reading back through the transcript, and I'm like, did he really say some of this stuff? Well, Doug's always been bad with the media, but I think we can all argue that this has been the worst season yet when it comes to him speaking. This is miserable. He's always been bad, to be fair, but this is a whole new low. Well, I typically don't put you know too much stock one way or the other. I mean, it's just like it is what it is. They say stuff. You know, they're trying to think off the fly when the question. They don't know what questions are coming, so they're kind of answering, and maybe they didn't. But he essentially is saying, like, Jason Peter or, or Mayalata would be bene- it would be beneficial for him to continue to watch. And I'm thinking, three years into the league, the guy just played three games. And not to say that after three games you have an understanding of who he is, but didn't you get a feel of what kind of player or talent this guy might be, that he needs more time to stand on the sideline after watching him for three seasons? That doesn't make any sense to me. Also, it's not like he's sitting back, relaxing, watching Jason Peters in his prime go to work. Yeah, watch this 38-year-old get beat consistently. I mean, that that's possibly what you're going to get, though, right? It's yeah. not like he's 28 in his prime. 609-403-0973 on the text board. 609-403-0973 is the playsugarhouse.com text board. That is where you can get in touch with us. We will read off your text messages all throughout the show. Now, here's another interesting one. Typically, these press conferences are filled with probing questions about who will play injury-wise, okay? I think there's a lot of questions that need to be answered for Sunday. He got essentially no questions asking about this until the all the way at the end when someone asked, I'm just curious, what's the update on Malik Jackson, TJ Edwards, Jason Peters, Jalen Rieger to play this weekend, and maybe even Dallas Goddard? What did you think Goddard would be one of the first questions? And then Rieger, hey, there's a report yesterday that Jalen is going to play. Can you confirm that? Nothing. Were there that many offensive line questions before that? Because I, I can understand, okay, if the offensive line thing's discussed, and then there's a couple questions to figure out more information. But right after that, Jalen Rigger, if he didn't start before the O-line, should be right thereafter. First right question thereafter. was about um, the offensive line and how he makes the, the decision on how you're going to go about it. He didn't really answer it. Second question was about Alshon Jeffrey. He kind of skated around that one. Mentioned about... Um, you know, guys coming back from injury, but it was a it was a vague question. It wasn't anything in in general. Uh, oh no, the question was about um, Alshon and whether or not they thought they should have put him on the injured list instead of activating him all season long. He kind of said, "Look, I've already answered that." He got a question about Ben Denucci, then the the question that we just addressed, then the Lane Johnson thing. Then he was asked about whether Lane's knee or ankle hurt which was more of a problem. He said none, neither is more than one than the other. Then he talked about what he's uh, seen from Peters, the Cowboys rivalry, what it means. Yes, yeah, that, that's got to go. Um, well, that's a TV question. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's okay. a TV station Fair. asking that question. Um, a question about using 11 and 12 personnel, why Nate Herbig has been – able to play both sides of the line because we talked about this yesterday. They said they typically don't like to move guys. Why Herbig has kind of been able to play both sides. So that was a decent question. 
Um, another question about, it says you're getting healthier as a team, getting Rieger back probably Sunday, and then maybe Ertz and Miles Sanders at some point. How much does that factor in into the trade decision? So it's still, he hinted at Rieger might be back. We never asked that. And then the last question was the one I just said. And he said, this statement kind of blankets all those guys. It kind of covers all those guys. They have all practiced this week. The Jalen Rager thing should have been asked way, way before it a lot of those questions. It wasn't asked at all. I know, yeah. It's, it's, his name, I'm saying, should have been brought up way before a lot of these questions. Yeah, the Jeff- t- he should be. I know the offensive line is, is grabbing the attention, which I think that's very fair. But Jalen Rager returning is a huge storyline. It's your first-round pick. I would agree as to why Peterson wasn't asked to address, hey, is Jalen Rieger, first of all, okay, let's set the stage here. Jeff Mosher, who will be on with us at 4 o'clock, football at 4, Jeff Mosher reported yesterday that Rieger was cleared to play and will play. It was then confirmed. I can confirm, Tim McManus, ESPN, Jeff Mosher's reporting, that Rieger is cleared. Okay, so it looks like he's cleared and going to play. All right, how are you going to factor him into your game plan? There have been multiple reports that he is going to play. Is that true? Right? Absolutely. I I, I don't... It was weird today. It was almost just like, hey, we're kind of bored. It's Dallas week. That kind of writes its own story. Is it because Dallas is so bad that no one, I mean, like, do they feel like people have just kind of, like, gone under the woodworks here? I don't know. But he said all those guys have practiced this week. They all have had a good week of preparation so far. And, look, we've got to get through today. We have to make sure there's no setbacks today out at practice, and we still want to push them and make sure that they can handle the strains of the game. Once we get through today, we'll have a better picture and a better sense of who will be available. So, Malik Jackson, TJ Edwards, Jason Peters, Jalen Rager, Dallas Goddard. I mean, if you're going off that answer right there, it sounds like Dallas Goddard's going to play. I would love to see that happen. I, I mean, I, I do know that what Adam Kaplan mentioned with us yesterday at Football at Four, that there's also another injury than just what was. Yeah. It was a high ankle sprain as well, so he's going to be battling just more than the original. So uh, we'll see. I mean, if he's back already, that's tough for him. It's another Jalen Rager story. Coming back, tough kid, already back in action. It's pretty wild to see some of these guys recover. But, yeah, we'll see. I, I feel... I don't know. I feel optimistic that he can play, but I don't know if I'm mentally preparing for him to play, if that it makes sense. It would be a big boost, and this is something you know I talked about on the Daily Drive show on the way into work today, which was the fact of, for the first time in a long time, if not, I can't remember the last time, maybe week one of last year, you were possibly, with no Miles Sanders, but possibly going to see if Goddard plays Fulgham, Ward, and Jalen, three parts and 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 uh, four parts of what your what Carson Wentz's weapons will look like for the next five to eight seasons. Those guys are all what twenty five and younger. I would think. I would guess Goddard's the oldest guy of that group. So you could have Wentz could have. The four main targets that he will be throwing to for the next X amount of years, if they don't get hurt. Fulgham, Rieger is his one and his two. Ward as his slot guy. And Goddard as his tight end. That could be his his complement of receivers and tight ends for the next five to eight seasons. 
And that's that, exciting. Absolutely. You took it right out of my mouth. I was going to say, that's why I'm pretty excited. And I remember even week one, because there was speculation about Rager and Miles Sanders going into week one. You didn't know what exactly was going to happen because Rager got hurt throughout the training camp. And just thinking that it was possible to not have him, that took so much buzz away from me because, look, this is your first-round pick. You want to see what he can do. You know that he has a unique skill set. Especially with how well other rookie receivers in this class have performed. Right, absolutely. And and I remember that the lack of buzz knowing that it was possible he wasn't going to be available. Then we saw him, he got hurt, and now the fact that he's coming back, that juice, the game itself doesn't have much juice based off the fact that the Cowboys stink. But Jalen Rieger moves the needle for me a lot because, as you mentioned, this is more than just, hey, what can he be this year? What can he be for the rest of the season? It's, what can he be for Carson Wentz for years to come? Like, I'm so intrigued to see how they work him in with the Fulgham and with Greg Ward and with these tight ends. Like, I can't wait to see the way this offense looks. Yeah, Goddard 25, Ward 25, Fulgham 25, Hightower 24, Rieger 21. Hightower's another one, too. I mean, I know I was disappointed with the drop passes early, but he does have something that can clearly benefit this team. He has speed. Yeah. He has a skill set that he doesn't have to be an every-down receiver. He could be the guy that comes in in your you know, four-wide receiver sets or fill in on a series for somebody and streak down the field and make a play. Like, they did not have that guy all of last season. So uh, that's something about this game that excites me. Is that Wentz, now if Goddard plays. Even that, if he doesn't, though, I mean, I'm still excited for Rager. Like, there's a lot for sure, me sure, when it sure. comes to him. Definitely. A- absolutely. But the if Re- if Goddard is active and plays, the, the possibility for the first time for Carson Wentz in a long time to say, you know what, I got everybody that I'm going to, like Alshon Jeffrey, I'm not counting on. Deshaun Jackson, I'm done counting on. Those two guys were... Are done. I'm talking about these guys here. These Fulgham, you kind of ass backwards yourself into this kid, and you can make the the argument that for the next five to eight years, this core group of guys will be playing together, right? I mean, we haven't seen that with the Eagles wide receiving group in oh my God, my lifetime. Right? Yeah. You look around the like these Fred franchises. Barnett and Calvin Williams. I'm watching Matt Keith Ryan Jackson. play with Julio Jones. I'm thinking, wow, how long has that connection been together? And then I, I put that together in my brain with the Eagles, and I'm thinking, wow, going through the list of all these players. Well, a lot of it has to do with injury, but you have so many pieces, so many guys that Carson Wentz has to throw to. Yet when you look at Matt Ryan, and I, I just thought about them yesterday because I was watching them on Thursday Night Football. They have been a core for a while. They pick up a Ridley. He's going to be there for a bit. They, they, There's so many teams around the league that just are together, and you know their duo, and you know their receivers every single year. You don't have that with the Eagles. And never have. I know. That needs to change, and maybe we're starting to see that window change now. Well, the first time you'll see this group all together, Rieger, Fulgham, Ward. I think those three guys are going to be hanging out together for at least the next couple of seasons. Goddard, if he's healthy, you got your four top weapons for the next couple of years. You get a chance to kind of a glimpse of what Wentz's offense will get to look like. And once they get Miles Sanders back, he will be the complimentary piece that they will not be out there this week, unfortunately. Just about to say the same thing. Yeah, Miles Sanders, and, and I talked about this a little bit yesterday, he's almost slipping through the cracks and not being discussed enough. It's pretty frustrating to know how good he is when he's out there, but he's not available enough. No, he's not, and that's a problem. That's why they need to figure out 
the backup situation behind him? Is it just Boston Scott, or do they get a more veteran guy that can complement him a little differently, goal line kind of stuff? All right, we're just getting started. Bacharach has the only Nor Recovery robots in South Jersey. Know your rights to access the most advanced rehab available today. Visit Bacharach.org for more information. Former Cowboys quarterback Danny White. What has happened to this team? And who is Ben DiNucci? Former Cowboys quarterback Danny White will talk about the current Cowboys quarterback. Yeah, that's Ben DiNucci. It's a Sal Pal Friday. Sal Pal Antonio joins us at 3 o'clock. Chad Millman goes through the lines in the 3 o'clock hour. Jeff Mosher has football at 4. It's a happy hour Friday with the PT. We'll get PT's pick on the game and one thought on every game with NFL insider Casey Joyner tonight at 520. We never stop talking Eagles and NFL. It's football at 4 every day at 4 p.m. on the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. to the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. All right, bottom of the 2 o'clock hour here on the Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN. Uh, by the way, the Cowboys getting a little healthier. They're getting a couple of their uh, offensive linemen will be back, and that's been a huge problem for them. I mean, their offensive line has been an absolutely abomination, and at least they'll have a couple of pieces back to, on the uh, offensive line, I think, they're going to be getting back um, Zach Martin yep. for this game, at least. Uh, and that's, a, I mean, he's an all-pro. He's one of the best there is. So that's a big addition for them if he is going to play. And it looks like he probably will. Yeah, definitely big for their offensive line. Although, look, if the defensive line plays to the ability that we know they can, well, maybe that's not a problem. But I thought Adam said some interesting things yesterday about people calling for Josh Sweat. Yeah. And they said, no, off-limits. Well, what are you really getting for him? That's a good question. I don't think like you should be like they're not willing to trade Josh. No, Schwett no, I'm not there. I'm not because, there because I mean, what what did they think? What did you think anyway when he said they're off limits? What was in your mind that they could get back in return? I don't know. Do you think a fourth rounder is something? But I'd, I'd rather sweat. I'd rather keep sweat as well. But I just think off limits is I don't care what you're offering. I'm not getting rid of them. It's a stronger statement, I'd say. And same with Derek Barnett. You know, that was another name that was discussed. Well, how about Will Park's name being thrown out there? A little yeah. surprising to me, but I guess they need a roster spot. They're going to need roster spots, I should say, and they need some cap relief. Right. I think it's more of the roster spot than it is the cap. But I, I looked at Will Parks as, I know he just got here, but is he someone, because he's not old, is he someone that you can use for more than just this year? Like, it's interesting. He's only that, got a one-year deal. So. Right. But I'm saying, if you know, he's, he's a decent player in the secondary. Is he someone that you can utilize down the road more well, than just this I season? I think it tells you that they like Kayvon Wallace. They like um, Marcus Epps. Wouldn't you rather keep Will Parks than Marcus Epps? We might, but... I'm just, you know, for the cost. I'm talking about in, when I talk about cap problems. They know they're going to have to sign Will Parks to a deal that they might not be able to afford. They have cap issues. These other guys are already signed. I wonder if they're dangling him out in front of people to see what offers can come in, and if they get something they don't like, then maybe they'll they'll get rid of somebody else and keep Parks. It could just be a dangle to say, hey, "What what can no, we I get think for?" It's, him? I think it's more that they like Wallace and they like Epps, and that Parks is a free agent. So if they can get him off. 
get something back because they know they're not going to sign him next year. It's possible. That's the way I kind of look at this. So let's look at this game a little closer. Former Cowboys quarterback Danny White, Compass Media, they have the national Dallas call on uh, Compass Media Networks. And, of course, he joins us here on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline as the Eagles and the Cowboys renew this rivalry. And both teams are having some rough years. Danny, welcome to the show. How are you? Well, I'm good. It's kind of a sad rivalry right now, but I, I'm doing fine. <laughs> good to be with you. It is sad. you got two teams that are really in all sorts of problems, although it feels like Philly's kind of getting healthy finally. They're at least coming off of a win. You've been around this Dallas team for a while. This has to be one of the uh, you know lowest points that you've seen uh, throughout the you know all the years doing this with all the injuries and stuff that's going on getting out in the media. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. Uh, twenty twenty, right? Um, there's so much going on with the empty stadiums and COVID, and you know, the, it, it adds a whole new uh, dynamic to to the the rivalries, the teams. You know, you've you've got to factor in COVID nineteen to all of this, and the teams that handle it the best, and and that's in my opinion. The teams that have the best leadership uh, in the locker room, uh, on the field, I, I think are going to be the teams that uh, they get through this uh, the best. And the Cowboys have really suffered in that area this year with, you know, with Mike McCarthy being a new, new head coach, new defensive coordinator, all the changes, all the injuries. You know, it takes a lot of leadership to overcome that stuff. And the Cowboys – now, I will say this last week, in the last couple of days, they've made some moves that, that give me hope. I, I think there's still hope for the Cowboys. The Eagles are getting healthier. The Cowboys are going to get some guys back. But these moves they made, the three moves they made this week, indicate to me that there's hope for the Cowboys. Yeah, I know uh, you talk about uh, guys getting healthier there, uh, and that's been a big problem. Obviously, Dak, the biggest what does the quarterback position in your mind look like this week for Dallas? Well, we—I mean, we don't know. You know, uh, we're not—we're not sure who's going to be starting a quarterback um, and who will play the game. Um, so that—that's going to be pretty much a game time decision, or at least a day before the game. But um, you know, it doesn't matter. And I, I honestly believe that even if Dak was playing right now, other than his leadership and and, and the intangible side of the of the position, uh, you know, until they get two tackles that know who they're blocking, and and until they get some cornerbacks who can uh, you don't, who aren't social distancing themselves from the receivers, uh, you know, it's not going to matter who's playing quarterback. I really don't think. As a former QB, what's your thoughts on the lack of reaction by teammates after that hit on Andy Dalton? Does that just fully describe what's happening in that locker? No, I, I think that was blown out of proportion. Uh, these are young guys that are out there trying to figure out who they're going to block. And, and the last thing they're going to think about is, you know, defending their quarterback or defending their running back or, uh, you know, I'm I'm surprised Zeke didn't do something, or I don't even know if Zeke was on the field. I didn't 
I, I, I didn't see who was out there, but, you know, Andy took a heck of a hit. But, you know, at the time, I, I don't think it happened so fast. I don't think anybody even knew that it was a cheap shot, and, and especially those young guys. You look at that offensive line across the board, and they're, they're a bunch of first- and second-year guys, second- and third-screen players, and I, I wouldn't expect them to even know how to react to something like that. So I think that's something that's been blown out of proportion. But but I do think there's, a, there's an issue there. Somebody needs to lead those guys, and they need a player or two or three or four, and it's going to take more than one. You know, Jalen Smith, uh, Leighton Vander Esch, Sean Lee, if they can get him back on the field, those are the guys, at least on the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side, you know, Zeke's not really a, an outspoken guy. Uh, Amari Cooper's a real quiet guy. The other, the other receivers are young. There's just nobody there to take over the leadership role hmm. that, uh, you know, was voided when Dad got hurt. Uh, former Dallas quarterback Danny White, he's now a part of the National Compass Media broadcast for the Dallas Cowboys, and they are in Philly, Sunday Night Football, right here on 97.3 ESPN. Uh, you had Garrett there for so long, McCarthy comes in, and then, as you mentioned, COVID, and you can't get the training camp. I mean, is that apparent that it almost doesn't feel, from the outside anyway, like it's McCarthy's team? Like, all these guys were all Garrett players and it was like they brought this new guy in to take him to the next level, but he never got a chance to really meet any of these guys. It's like being a freshman and having your first high school class on Zoom. You have a teacher who you never even met. Yeah, that's that's huge. That is huge. Um, uh, and it's a factor, you know, big advantage that the Eagles have over the Cowboys right now uh, is, you know, that Peterson has been there. He knows the guys. They know him. Uh yeah, a lot of these guys were meeting Mike McCarthy for the first time, you know, when they got there for 10 days of training camp. And how well can you get to know, you know, 60 guys in 10 days when you're having meetings constantly? And, you know, it, it's it's a real factor. You know, I think there are certain things that have been blown out of proportion, like the hit on Andy Dalton and stuff like that. But – I, I don't think we've even scratched the surface when it comes to the effect that not having a training camp has had not only on getting to know the players, creating some chemistry, but also on the injury front. I think a lot of these injuries are just due to the fact that these players didn't have a chance to get their bodies ready for live bullets, and all of a sudden they're thrown out there. I mean, I can't even imagine playing a live NFL game with only 10 days of practice. And and even those 10 days, you know, they, they weren't in full contact all the time and they're limited so much by the CBA. So there's all these factors that come into to this season and uh, it, it's going to, I think it's just going to continue to get crazier and crazier. Now, Danny, a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to the game uh, when Dallas played Cleveland and it's 49-38, Dak's still playing, you guys are going back and forth. And, if you know, um, I think at some point it was like, you can't make up how bad this defense has, has been. Why has it been so bad? Is it personnel-related? Is it scheme-related? When you're watching this, i got to imagine, and I'm listening to some of your calls, like, I know you're calling the game for Dallas, but you almost sound dumbfounded at times at how 
you are watching a defense that is this bad, and how did it happen? Because they have been a scrappy, they have been, they never had like that big name, but they always seem to get a lot out of what they had. It, you know, it's a combination of all those factors that we talked about, and one of them is some bad personnel decisions in the offseason. Uh, Don Terry Paul was a bust. Ha Ha Clinton Dix just took him for $2.5 million and went laughing ha-ha all the way to the bank. <laughs> Daryl Worley was a bust. Everson Griffin was a bust. Part of the problem is they're all rushing the passer because in order to get a big contract, you got to have sacks, right? They don't give you big contacts for contracts for getting tackles. They give them to you for getting sacks. That's the big stat. So guys like Everson Griffin uh, are, are just rushing the passer. And they had they had him and Alden Smith, and, and they're great pass rushers, but they don't even pay attention to the run. They just get upfield and try to get to the quarterback. So it's a combination of uh, bad personnel moves, not having a training camp, a bunch of new guys, a new defensive coordinator in Mike Nolan, and, and they're, they're all trying to create this chemistry and get on the same page with each other. And, you know, the one guy that has come through for them has been Jalen Smith. Uh, and now they've got Leighton Vanderesh back. He's going to have to take the leadership role. And like I said, if they can get Sean Lee back, uh, that'll help a lot. But, yeah, the defense, uh, the, the running game part of it was the fact that they had a bunch of guys out there that were trying to get sacks. And they're, they're what I call me-first players instead of team-first players. And that's what they were doing. They're trying to get numbers to get a big contract instead of uh, doing their job. When a three-technique guy gets hooked by the center, uh, you know, that, that kills the linebackers. Those guys get up on the linebackers. They can't do their job. And so one thing affects another, affects another, and it's just, uh, it's just a, a – a joke. It's comedy of errors out there uh, that it's all started by a defensive tackle not doing his job. I want to flip to the Eagles for a second. Carson Wentz is very controversial here at times, and I just want to get your thoughts on his overall game since you, you know, you, I'm sure, study a lot of quarterback play. Yeah. Well, Carson's Carson's doing what all the great quarterbacks do. And that is he's trying to take it all on himself. Now I'm I'm I need to qualify this. I'm I'm a Carson Wentz fan. Um so I think if they can put the right pieces around him and, and let me say this, in in my opinion, there's no other position in all of sport that depends more on the people around him than a quarterback in the NFL. Um, and anybody that's played that position, I think, will agree with me. Carson Wentz is, is a victim of the people around him. Now, sometimes you get more credit than you deserve because you got great players around you, and all you have to do is hand it off. You know, and there are other times when you don't get enough credit because the guys around you aren't doing their job. Now, you know, the receivers have to have to not only run the right route, but they have to get open. They have to create get separation. The guys up front. You have to be able to run block and pass block. Your back has to pass block. And, you know, everybody looks at running backs as if they're – how many yards do they gain per carry? They don't look at how many times do they miss a, 
a block in pass protection. So all those things affect the quarterback play. And I think, frankly, this year, uh, Carson has not had that kind of support that he's used to having or that other quarterbacks have. Look at the numbers that Dak has put up, uh, that he put up early in the year. Well, with those three receivers and that running back and the offensive line that he started the season with, he ought to put up great numbers. But I think if Dak was playing right now, he wouldn't be putting up really any better numbers uh, than the other guys were putting up that are playing quarterback. Well, it's Sunday night. The Eagles and the Cowboys, first place somehow is on the line with these two teams who have had all sorts of issues. Danny, you mentioned the injury problems. Dallas has them. I think the Eagles might even have more. They are starting to get guys back. But it's always fun when these two teams get yeah. together. Danny will have the call for Compass Media Networks on the national feed. And, of course, he, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda hotline. Danny, we always love catching up with you. Thanks so much. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, glad, I'm just glad for one thing, and that is that we're, I get to go to Philadelphia early in the year. I don't want to go back there in December ever again. Well, if you get a late playoff game, come on. Although I don't think that's possible this year. Well, that's true. I don't think that's going to be possible this year. Somebody's going to win the division at seven and nine. That's right. Oh, if seven seems to be an aggressive number, right? Yeah, it might be. It might be. It might be. I think it's six nine. Anyway, hey, great being with you. (laughs) Take care, Danny. Six nine and one might be the number that gets it done, right? Six nine and one. All right, Sports Pass Live, ninety-seven three ESPN. Uh, Danny White with us there on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Always great to catch up with Danny, uh, Super Bowl champion, by the way. He won that Super Bowl uh, with the Cowboys back in, I guess it was 78. He was the backup on that team. Uh, But he can never take away that he was a Super Bowl champion and always tells great stories here. Carson Wentz is doing what all great quarterbacks do. He says he's trying to take all the blame himself. Uh, That's former Dallas quarterback Danny White here. Now, if Danny White was in the audience, I'd offer to take him to Texas Roadhouse. That's right. I forgot all about that mess last night. How dare those Cowboys fans come at us? Yeah, if he was around, I'd invite him too. And I'm sure he would accept. He sounded like a nice guy. But it's a little different when you once play for the team. Sure. Because we're not going to convince him that you had flaws in your philosophy growing up like these South Jersey natives that think that they should be Cowboys. Well, he's from from Arizona originally. Went to Arizona State. And then he ends up playing uh, for Dallas. I should have asked him how the partying was back in the day. <laughs> uh, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. That's Danny White. Sal Palantonio joins us at 3. By the way, Sal Pal's going to be making a special appearance tomorrow in the locker room with Billy Schwein, talking about his career and his book. And uh, also, Doc Emmerich on tomorrow's locker room show. It's Tune a, in for that. It's a great show. It's a really good lineup. It is. The rest of the show stinks, but it... <laughs> I hope Billy's out there listening. No, that's a good lineup. Doc Emmerich, Sal Pal, and uh, that's all tomorrow in the locker room. Starts at 10, right after the best of the sports bash. Don't forget, tomorrow in the best of the sports bash, Jeff Nadu, Barstool Sports. We go through the Saturday card, the Sunday card. Got some soccer picks. I already put them in. I got a four-teamer. You watching any of these games? Uh, maybe Atalanta. Am I saying that right? I have no clue. Bologna versus Sassuolo. Bologna? No. See, now everybody says that. Well, that's what you would think. I mean, you think that's like, did you think that was original? I say Bologna, and then you say Bologna. No, I think a lot of people do that. I know, exactly. Does that make me a bad person? Yeah, like Pete Thompson. Why? 
He goes with the cheese answer. That was a cheese Not answer. Bologna cheese. Okay. I see what you did there. That was okay. That was all right. You've had better. Number one sports radio talk show, The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN-FM. And the Sports Bash is brought to you by Matt Black Kia. They want to get you approved today. Visit them on the Black Horse Pike and EHT. We did a little five rewind or five questions last night. Let's see how we did on that. I did not uh, do well on that game last night. I had Carolina and the over. It was Atlanta and the under. Yep. Yes, it was. And I, when I looked at that one and a half line, I thought, man, that is tiny. That's a small line. Something told me Atlanta. I did not go with my gut. I went no bet last night. Should have put some in. Should have went with the gut. It's a small line. It's telling you something. I thought Carolina has been playing better. Oh, no doubt they have. Although they did lose a couple. I think at the no, end. They, they lost s- like three straight. But they put points better. on the board. Yeah. And Atlanta's defense is so bad. You're at home. I figured Atlanta's defense is bad. You're putting points on the board. Even if it's 37-30. You know? Well, I'll tell you where you were right. Matt Ryan threw an interception. And Todd Gurley had a touchdown. So those were your two correct answers. Bridgewater, over under 280 was what it was set at for passing yards. He got Fini- hurt. Yeah, he finished with 176. Yeah. There. That was a brutal hit. The slow-mo, do you see his face yeah, his in face the helmet? Yeah, got mushed up in there. Oh, it's he scary He threw that stuff. one touchdown pass. I had him as my fantasy quarterback, and I was like, yeah, he threw that one touchdown earlier in the game, and I figured, all right, they got – I mean, Atlanta's awful. And you sat Cam Newton, right? So watch, Cam Newton's going to have oh, an yeah. explosive game. Three rushing touchdowns, <laughs> Newton. Book it. <laughs> Three rushing touchdowns. He won't throw any, but he'll he'll run one in. That's how Three. it always Three. works. Yes, always in. works. What else? Uh, there's Rick. Did you mention the over in Carolina? So he went two for three. Two and three. I always do that like it's baseball. Speaking of baseball, Andy McPhail is going to be speaking soon. Yeah, in a couple of minutes. Lord knows what he's going to say. By the way, the Phillies made a bunch of moves yesterday. Go to our website, 97.3ESPN.com. Frank Close has the latest. Plus today... They have uh, released a bunch of guys as well. There's a whole bunch happening in Philly. So Heath Henry, by the way, has officially cleared waivers. He's a free agent. You see, by the way, the, the uh, race declined the option on Charlie Morton. Yep. He's a free agent. Any interest? One-year deal? Yes. I think he's going to get more than a one-year deal. It's getting up there. Personally, yeah. though. One-year deal, I'll take it. I think he's going to get more than a one-year deal. Maybe. All right, next hour, Sal Pal Antonio. It's Sal Pal Friday next. There's more high school football tonight on 97.3 ES.